0: I'm discussing from Srimad Bhagavatam, 1st Canto, Chapter 3. In this chapter is a discussion primarily of the avatars. In the first chapter of Bhagavatam, the sages asked about the avatars of Krishna, Hmm? they were speaking about Krishna and they wanted to know about the significance of his appearance as the son of Devaki and Vasudeva, they wanted to know about his pastimes and his avatars. So here in chapter three, other questions were also asked and they were answered in chapter two. Two or three of them, there were six questions asked. The questions about his avatars. Mm -hmm. The question about his avatars is answered here in this chapter. Mm -hmm. And that's significant. Because if we look back to the first chapter and we realize that they're asking about Krishna's avatars, then this chapter, as understood by the Gaudiya commentators, will make that much more sense to us. In fact, if we understand it as the Gaudiya commentators have explained it, we'll think, how could it possibly be understood otherwise? Hmm. Then again, there are not too many who have commented on the Bhagavatam from other lineages, Uh, They have not highlighted it. Mm -hmm. It is not um, something that Shankaracharja commented on, the great monist. Mm -hmm. It is not something that his first um, opposition in the form of the Vaishnavism of Ramanuja uh, commented upon. Ramanuja was the first to bring a Vedantic critique of Shankar's monism with his advaita, it's called, with his theistic Vishisht advaita qualified non-dualism, and um, <clears throat> posit as he did, a theistic form of Vedanta. Ramanuja is a great charger in Vaishnavism, and uh, His main book, if you will, was amongst the sacred texts was the Vishnu Purana, the sattvic Purana and uh, many of the leelas of Krishna are described there and so forth. But uh, the Bhagavatam he did not comment on, that was not the centerpiece uh, from which he derived his theology. And, of course, much of his theology is derived directly from the Upanishads rather than from the Puranas meeting Shankar, if you will, on his own terms, who gave preference to the Shruti, the Upanishads, over the Puranas, the Smriti, in terms of um, there being evidence. This is a body of knowledge that's the standard of knowledge Then that we're talking about. In those times. It's not the standard of knowledge, at least it's not acknowledged as such today. So, what one would do in times gone by, in the subcontinent of India, a theist in hundreds of years past, thousands of years past, a very theistic climate, the standard of knowledge was the revelation, the Upanishads, the Puranas, and so forth. One would state his or her position on life, its meaning, its purpose, and so forth, on the basis of the sacred texts, citing them as evidence to support one's contentions. So Shankar made his presentation based on the Upanishads, ten what he determined were the principal Upanishads, and Ramanuja met him on that ground largely and argued in favor of the theistic form of Vedanta. the great Madhva, and followed in a sense with another strong argument against Shankar in his Dvaita philosophy, dualism, if you will, as opposed to Advaita, non-dualism, so the contrast. And he supported his thesis, again, based on the scriptures, largely also referring to the Upanishads, both of these great the charges, the charges, Ramanuja and Madhva wrote commentaries on the Vedanta Sutra, as did Shankara, so the Vedanta Sutra is the attempt of Vyasa to show the uniformity of the apparently diverse statements of the Upanishads, to bring about a consistent uh, philosophy in his case, and in the case of Ramanuja and Madhva, a consistent theology, if you will. Um, to demonstrate that the Upanishads are speaking of a consistent theology. Hmm. But Madhva, although a, a devotee of Krishna himself, had a different conception of Krishna than the gaudiyas do. He worshiped Krishna in Udupi. He got the Udupi-Krishna deity from big block of Tilak, a big block of earth that it was found within and being shipped from Dwaraka and this the boat got stuck and Madhva who said to be an incarnation of Vayu, the wind came to the beach and helped the boat reach the shore and somehow somewhat miraculously, apparently. And uh, so he was blessed by the captain with a big chunk of tilak. <laughs> uh, and, it, and it broke, and inside was the Udupi Krishna, which is said to be the deity that Rukmini, deity of Krishna that Rukmini worshiped in Dwarka, But in uh, his moths in his system, of succession and so forth will consist of a number of moths all in Udupi centered around the one month centered around the worship of this Udupi Krishna the charities will be such for I believe they'll they'll for one year they'll be allowed to worship the Udupi Krishna and for other whatever it is nine years uh, while others are taking one year they'll raise funds and so forth and then spend them on their one year primarily in that temple. So the deity worship was very prominent there, this was a prominent uh, thrust of, of um, Madhva, the eternality of the form of Godhead and the other thrust anti-Advaitan, Dvaita. He was very uh, confrontational hmm. in his approach so he did do it. write a commentary on the Bhagavatam, but it is just a very, very brief commentary, nothing, nothing in depth. And he had a Vaikuntha conception of Krishna, as did Ramanuja, a Dwarka conception, perhaps, but that um, being a notion of Krishna as the avatar of Narayan, who would sometimes show this in Bhagavanta, this Lila, no real sense of a Mahabhaykundam, a realm that transcends in 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 um, ecstatic possibility, hmm? uh, the uh, reverential realm of Narayan Bhagavanta. We don't find this in their writings, and of course this we find in the Bhagavatam, which is then brought out by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's sect, a contemporary of Mahaprabhu, Balaba as I mentioned the other day, did write a commentary on Bhagavatam as well. He is a Raghamag, Sampradaya. Nimbarka, eh, also another Vaishnava, acharya started a, or was it, a prominent um, person in disseminating the Dueta Dweta Vad, another of Sampradaya, which is also a Ragamarg Sampradaya. Their sect has some interest in the Bhagavatam, perhaps some commentaries. But as the Gaudiyas who most closely embraced the Bhagavatam and laid emphasis on the statement of the Guruda Purana that Srimad Bhagavatam is the natural commentary on the Vedanta Sutra. Again, those sutras are the aphorisms that Vyasa said to have written in an effort to make, demonstrate that the Upanishads are speaking about a consistent philosophy, all coming to the same point, saying the same thing, pointing in the same direction. And there are various interpretations then of what Vyasa was getting at in those codes, in those sutras, seeking to show the consistency of the Upanishadic message. Hmm. It is said that an Acharya would not be such Acharya if he did not have a commentary on the sutras. So, in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, we find the Acharya is Krishna in his role as an Acharya. Acharya means one who teaches and emphasizes behavior, acharya, more than writing a commentary, which was the standard of an Acharya. To establish his own teaching, he would have to interpret the sutras in a particular way to Give credit to his his position, but Sri Chant Chaitanya mahababu is the is Krishna in his Acharya leela. He's Krishna acting like an Acharya personally, and the full import of the word, Acharya, behavior, is stressed in the character in the person of Chaitanya mahababu Who didn't write anything on the sutras. He made no commentary. He saw so, no need to. Hmm? He taught more by his example, hmm? perfect behavior of Chaitanya that, as I said the other day, made the uh, sannyasis afraid of their vows and uh, the extent to which he uh, exhibited by ragia, for example, detachment, which is the, the um, central focus. Of sannyas. <clears throat> he taught uh, by his example and he did not comment on the sutras because he said why shall we make such an effort when the Bhagavatam itself is the natural commentary on the sutras. By natural he meant that it's the commentary written by Vyas and his maturity after having written the sutras and reflected upon them in his last moments, in his final work, he manifested the Srimad Bhagavatam. It begins with a tattoo, just as the sutras begin, Janmadyasyataha, and so forth. So the Gaudiya commentators have te- jumped on this, a statement from the Garuda Purana also. Srimad Bhagavatam is a commentary on, on the uh, uh, Vedanta Sutras. They embraced this and they demonstrated it in their writing, in their commentaries. Jiva Goswami demonstrated it in Satsandarbha, mm? Vishnu Chakra in his, his uh, commentary, other Jiva Goswami in his Kram Sandarbha commentary on Bhagavatam, so on and so forth they've brought this out. This was Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's position, and they embraced it. Mm. And so we haven't got to wonder what the sutras are about. We simply read Srimad Bhagavatam, of course, then there are different commentaries on the Bhagavatam, as I said, but not many. Mm. And amongst them, the Gosamis of Vrindavan, and Vishwanath Chakotitakura, these commentaries are the most prominent commentaries in Vrindavan, which is the real place of the Srimad Bhagavatam, given that it's all about Sri Krishna. This is the center, uh, central focus of Srimad Bhagavatam, the 10th canto, Śrīmad- well, from 1st canto to 11th canto, till the 12th canto, but the 10th canto The whole of the life, the lilas, is brought out, but here in the first canta we're finding what? We're finding that the avatars that the sages want to hear about are the avatars of Krishna. Hmm? It makes Krishna, as we'll see further, the complete, most complete manifestation of of divinity. This is the position of Śrīmad-Bhāgavatam. And this is brought out in great detail by the Gaudiya commentators. I don't think that uh, Nimbarka and, or Balaba, other Ragmag sambadhyas would entirely disagree with that. Hmm? But the strength of the argument in that connection, this we owe to the Bodhya Vaishnavas. Hmm. Given... The way, also, in which the Vrindavan Goswamis went about arguing against Shankar like Nsadvaita, like Ramanuja did, like Madhva did, like Balava did, like Dimbarka did, all the Vaishnavas did, the way in which they conceived of going about it was unique. They didn't make a lot of stress on the Upanishads. Again, they made their stress on the Bhagavatam. And the reason was because their argument was an argument from aesthetics. In other words, they argued that if we look at Narayana, we see a certain range of possibilities for interaction with him in love, reciprocal dealings in love, which is bhakti. If we look at Krishna, we see other possibilities. In relation to Rhyme, we see the possibilities of awe and reverence, dasyam, dasyarasa, shantarasa. If we look at Krishna, we see the possibilities of, of um, greater intimacy, friendship, um, parental love, conjugal love, and so forth. So they thought, they, they reasoned, on the basis of this, that Krishna must be more resourceful. <laughs> he must be, if uh, if, we, if we value the possibility of reciprocal dealings with the God, which is what Vaishnavism is about, as opposed to Advaita, there's no possibility of reciprocal dealings, there's no other, and there's no experience. Hmm? There's no experience in a Dvaita. It's very similar to uh, any a material conception of consciousness, where they say there's no real experience or there. Hmm? Why? Because in the Dvaita the there's only being. Hmm? As soon as you have experience, there's two. There's something to be experienced, and there's the experiencer. In Advaita, at least of Shankar's idea, the theory is that the knower, the known, that which is to be known, all merge into being. So what does it mean to be? If in being, there's no experience. Indeed, we say materially, or we say in material life, that we be because we experience. We think that we be because we experience. This is the mystery of consciousness. It experiences. Something is experiencing. Is that matter? How can matter be the experiencer? How can an experiencer rise out of the experienced? Which is superior? The experiencer or the experienced? Experienced has no meaning. Matter has no meaning without the experiencer. But some people philosophize, theorize, that that the experiencer rose out of the experienced. Hmm. This is a backward idea from the theistic and uh, spiritual point of view. Hmm. And readily, we think that we exist, and materialists would, would agree, that we think we exist because of experience. Now they want to say we don't really exist as, a, as an entity, but there's something going on in the brain that somehow, we haven't understood it yet, affords the illusion of an experiencer. That's what they think. But those who think that there's actually an experiencer, they... <laughs> They say that really, if you think about it, we exist because we experience. There's no meaning to existing, or not much, without experience. So if there's no experience in the dvaita, what is the meaning, what is the value of all this argument for the position of a transcendent consciousness? Similar to Buddhism, Therefore, it said, a non, a non, um, how would you call it, a non-spiritual religion, a, something like that. A, it doesn't acknowledge anything transcendent. It doesn't acknowledge ultimately an experiencer. Neither do the materialists. So we are leaving this far in the distance. All these three ideas, materialism. Buddhism, Advaita Vedanta, with our theistic argument which validates the self, the individuality of the self, which people like the idea of, but perhaps not if it means I'm only a small self. There's a big self, (laughs) and there may be, I might have some duty to perform, I might have some obligation, something like that. These may be one of the reasons we try to move away from that. But move away from that, we move away from our own individuality. We move away from experience, even. So we should embrace theism. And we find in the Krishna conception of theism, the experience is beautiful, small is beautiful. Hmm? The smallness of the self is beautiful. Hmm? In bhakti, so beautiful that Krishna himself becomes small. God of himself becomes small, so to speak, hmm? attracted to the smallness of the jiva, in whose big in bhakti. Hmm? So, this argument of the Goswamis, that the feature the, of the absolute, Bhagawan, that affords more possibility for reciprocation in love, hmm? obviously we can get closer in intimacy than we can in non-reverence, they say, this must be the more full um, manifestation of the Godhead. And then, to support their idea, well, they quote one statement from the Taittirīya Upanishad, vai saha." He, Brahman, is rasa. And then come their rasa theory from there. Mm-hmm. And then, for further support, unlimited support, they go to to Srimad Bhāgavatam. Nikamakabhata ro galitam falam sukamukadamita drabha sambitam bhagavatam rasam malayam murho rasikabhubi bhabhukaha Oh thoughtful people take advantage of Srimad Bhāgavatam drink the nectar of this Bhāgavatam it is the ripened fruit of the tree of knowledge it is, is kalitam falam it is the fruit of this galitam Fallen from the tree, you don't have to climb up to even pick it. It's coming down to you. The tree, the, the, the one that's the root, the the fruit that's ripe has fallen. You can just go and pick it up easily. Bhagavatam is extending Bhagwan to us, Brahman to us in a readily accessible, e- 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 easily accessible form. This is Krishna, hmm? God, fallen in love. He has a weakness, so get him now. Hmm. Something like that. Um, uh, you see, Krishna, pursuing the nature of Radha's love for him in Chitana Mahaprabhu becomes very accessible hmm. in his plight to taste Radha's love. This is an impossibility almost for him because he's the object of love. She's the vessel of love. So to him, for him to take her position, how is it possible? He tries, this is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And in this effort, then he he becomes accessible to the people. It's kind of a madness of his. So what he's all about, what Radha and Krishna are all about, is spilling over into the world. And the devotees are, are drinking from that and, 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 and speaking about that. And if we look carefully, we see this is what the Bhagavatam is about. This is the heartbeat of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? So the Goswamis came with this idea. They made this argument from aesthetics. Yes, they quoted something from the Shruti. Brahman is rasa. Hmm? And then they built their rasa theory. They said, Brahman is rasa this is what rasa is about. Hmm? Aesthetic rapture, reciprocal dealings. Hmm? He's most full in that. In the Bhagavatam, the natural commentary on the sutras, which are the commentary on, this, on the on the Upanishads to show the significance of them, the, the coherent theology, that theology is fully played out in the Bhagavatam. And this is the position of Krishna. This is their basic argument, and Bhagavatam so much supports that. So this is the hub, then, around which all of their arguments um, revolve. and. And they've demonstrated well the unique position of Bhagavatam as a commentary on the sutras. So it's almost as if no other book is required. This is the New Testament. The Old Testament of the Upanishads and the Vedas and the Puranas, they're all no longer required. Hmm? If we only require them to show that they too support Bhagavatam, Hmm? in case you doubt, we can do that. The Swami's have done that. So take the Bhagavad Gita, it is the New Testament, it is the final word of Vyas in his maturity as the text itself explains. Hmm. And I'll tell you another thing, objectively speaking, it is the most complex, um, from a theological perspective, sacred book of old, uh, book of Revelation, in the world. Look across cross-culturally at any religious tradition, You, the Koran, for example, the Bible, um... What? The Torah. Mm. Um, Bhagavatam is rich, theologically rich in comparison. We don't mean to slight those texts, but essential ideas found in the Bhagavatam are found there, but put Bhagavatam is bringing it out in such a rich way. And its length is great comparatively as well. Hmm? I don't know how many verses the Bible has, but... I think the must be longer, with 18,000 verses. Anyway, it's, uh, it's rich, and in language it's rich. Hmm? It's poetic to speak about such a profound subject matter as consciousness and the implications of consciousness, which if played out as they are in the bhagavatam, reach to Krishna, and then the consciousness of consciousness, hmm? which is Radha, so to speak. Love hmm? is the consciousness of consciousness. It's a very interesting concept. This is where the bhagavatam takes us. So, such a profound idea, and to explain it in poetry, what a masterful feat Hmm? literary accomplishment on the part of of Vyas. So, for good reasons, they've centered on the Bhagavatam and they have explained the Bhagavatam in such a way that the Bhagavatam is really, has been explained. Hmm? No one has explained it like the Godis. When you hear their explanation, you will think, how could it be explained otherwise? That makes so much sense. But as I say, others missed the points, and in doing so, Ramanujan Madhva, they missed the Mahabhaikuntam of Goloka, the possibility of intimacy. We don't fault them, however. Kavi Rajkrishnan says in his inclusivist approach that what's best for you is best. If you want to see Krishna as the avatar of Narayan, go for it. It's a valid perspective from Vaikuntha. But we say there's more to see than that. If you don't interest, aren't interested, stay in Vaikuntha. No problem. Hmm? We don't object. It is a vantage point from Vaikuntha to see like that. It is not what Bhagavatam says. You better not read that. That will disturb your faith. Hmm? <laughs> hmm? So, the Krishna conception is inclusive. In other words, if, if it is the supreme conception of the God, all other conceptions must be included within it, as well. Hmm? And um, we honor those those those, those uh, valid uh, perspectives and possibilities of reciprocal dealings with the absolute. Hmm? So, accordingly, the sages asked, "Tell us about his avatars, other." All the possibilities that lie within him, hmm? for for the various devotees in their in their bias of love for Ram or Narasimha, we want to hear about that. Hmm? All of the all of the possibilities that lie within him. Hmm? This is their idea. So anyway, here in the third chapter, this is being played out in the context of talking about the avatars of Krishna. He wants to make it clear, the author, that. They are avatars of Krishna. Not only are the avatars mentioned avatars of Krishna, the, the Leela avatars, the Guna avatars, the Yuga avatars, hmm? the Shaktivesha avatars, and the different kinds of Shaktivesha avatars, the Mandantara avatars. You see the theology of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. So many types of avatars. Someone will say, my guru is the avatar of Krishna. We'll say, we'll say someone will say, my guru is an avatar. Would say which one is he which kind is he Shaktivish? which of the two kinds is he manmuntar lilavatar gunavatar yugavatar hmm? what kind of avatar they would say well I didn't know there were so many types of avatar <laughs> uh, I have to ask my guru about that hmm? so this is the rich some of the richness of Gaudiya uh, vaishnavism Gaudiya theology <clears> The <throat> so knowledge in the first chapter tells us about his avatars and so in this Third chapter, we've heard first about the Purusha avatars. The Paramatma, the manifestation of Bhagavan is Paramatma. and Bhagavan, Jagrahe Purusham Rupam Bhagavan Maharadivihi. The chapter begins. It's hmm? telling us what? The subject of the first verse is Bhagavan. Bhagavan accepts the form of the Purusha. It's another name for the Paramatma. Hmm? The oversoul of the world. And in that form, all the ingredients of the world are contained, then he manifests them. Then this Purusha manifests in each, he manifests in first the multiverse. Then that Purusha manifests himself in each universe of the multiverse. Hmm? From that avatar, Purusha avatar, comes so many different types of avatars. Hmm? And we won't go through them, well, there's a list here. Uh, uh, of them um, a number of them we find a good sampling we find a mention of avatars, lila avatars runa avatars different types of shakti avatars so on and so forth so a fair sampling hmm? um, and these will be s- s- subjects of bhagavatam throughout hmm, here and there And then we come to the end of the list. It's not the end of the list of avatars. Because when we come to the end, we come to this verse tonight, and we find avatara hi asankhya. We've given a list, but Sutta Goswami says, and the avatars are asankhya. Asankhya means what? Sankhya means to to count, to measure, to count, asankhya, they are uncountable. Avatara hi sankhya hareya hareya-sattva-nidevi-dvicha kulya sarasa-siu-sahastrasa-saha He gives here an example to help us understand that they're uncountable. Hmm. He says he gives a, a comparison of of water, of li- like like rivers entering into the to the lake, like like something like the so many rivers in the mountains that enter into the ocean, or to play out the water metaphor, idea, uh, further, like waves in the ocean. Can you count them? Do they have a beginning? Do they have an end? Hmm? They're countless coming, rising and falling, appearing, disappearing from mortal vision hmm? out of the ocean of Narayana. Why? The, the Mahanarayana of Bhagavan. Why? Because they all have their expression in Vaikuntham. They're all eternal. Hmm? When Narayan accepts the form of the Purusha, the Paramatma, then through the Purusha they manifest in the world, as if they come from the Purusha. Hmm? And they do, in terms of the world, in terms of their avatar. Avatar means crossing Tara from up Ava crossing from up to down. So that's not the only thing they do. <laughs> they don't only just come to this world. Their, their purpose is not just, they appear in the world, they disappear. Hmm? They appear in the world for a purpose, hmm? establish the Dharma and so forth, yeah. and uh, and for their leelas, to manifest their leelas in the world, to attract our attention, to charm us, hmm? and so forth. Hmm? But they are eternally... Manifest at the same time in Vaikuntha. You know the picture here of Prop uh, is—I don't know if he drew it. I think he had this commission. This picture. This is the. This is the different. You know, Vaikuntha planets. Hmm? The sea of the sky of consciousness. So many different Vaikuntha planets with different names, and, and so on. It's the idea that all these avatars not all of them but some types of them the lila avatars for example they all have their expression in 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 hmm? the devotees of the they are there and they're worshipping him and so forth they like that face of Narayan hmm? primarily so the Bhagavan as this, tec- this chapter has explained accepts the form of the purusha in the form of the purusha these different faces of Narayan make their appearance in the world and they're countless. Not all of them are described here. Some of them uh, uh, are another way of explaining asankhya, Baladev Vidyabhushan has commented and Vishwanath Chakravdhitaakva in his commentary on glabhubha bhagavatamrita Rupa Goswami that, that details all the different avatars and their functions, and the differences between them, and so forth. All, we look carefully at it with the purpose of establishing the position of Krishna. That, that's from a different angle, he's gone at it there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, both of them have also given another explanation of Vasankhya, not well-known, which means to say that that these are some of the more well-known avatars, and some of them are less well-known. Hmm? Baladev and Vishwana Thakur comment by in their respective books I mentioned uh, Vishwana's commentary on Bhagavatam, Baladev's commentary on Lhagva Bhagavatamrita, refer to a verse of Bhagavatam itself Chanakalau, hmm? seventh chapter of Bhagavatam, Prahlada speaking about Triyugam the idea that Bhagwan appears as an avatar in three yugas. That's one of his names in the Mahabharata, vishnu Sahasranam tri-yuga, which would imply that he only appears in three yugas. But in the Gita he says, sammavami duge duge, when he's speaking about his descent in the fourth chapter, avatartattva, the first part of the preface of the fourth chapter on jnana yoga, avatartattva, a nice section on that. Krishna says Yirā sambhavami, yuge, yuge. sambhavami i manifest yuge yuge yuga after yuga He doesn't say i only manifest sambhavami tri yuge <laughs> i manifest in three yugas no i manifest yuga after yuga hmm? So, the this was the great Sarabhoma Bhattacharya argued with his brother-in-law Gopinath, who was a devotee of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Gopinath acknowledged the divinity of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in Puri. Sarabhoma said, look, he's a saint, he's extraordinary, but let's not call him God. You Bengalis, you know, of course he was a Bengali too but a very sober one, mm-hmm. and logician, and uh, Vedantist, uh, and uh, of a, a Dvaitan kind of leaning, so uh, he was not uh, quickly ready to attribute the godhood to anybody, so anyway he said, you're a sentimentalist and we want Shastra to support uh, your opinion, do you have any? So. Gopinath cited this verse. You think he appears only in three yugas, which is what um, one of the arguments of Saurabhava may But Bhagavatam says he's called triyuga because in kalo, chana kalo, kalo means kali yuga, in kali he comes in a chana, covered, hidden form, hmm? and not asankhya, a not so well-known form, hmm? is the idea. Hmm? Not so well known, of course. Our business is to make it well known, hmm? the Chaitanya, not Avatar, but Abhutari. As Krishna is the source of all Avatars, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is that very same Krishna. He's not an Avatar of Krishna; he is Krishna, in a very special space, hmm? if you will, in his most um, introspective moments on penetrating on the nature of his being, what Radha sees in him, and so forth. And it drives him mad. This is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Mm. Tries to take her position to experience the fullness of himself as only she does. So he says that, um, here concluding this this section on the avatars, they're asanghyā and hidden also. Reference to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, which, who will be discussed in the eleventh canto of Srimad Bhagavatam, evidence for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu being the Yuga Avatar, who is the covered Avatar in Kali Yuga, the hidden Avatar, will come there. Krishna varnam pisa Krishna m Yagnai pangastrapashilam yagnaishankite na paya yajanti sumeda saha all these verses. Hmm? Um, two verses following that, all explaining Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as the covered hidden uh, uh Yuga avatar of Kali Yuga with a special purpose. Hmm? So all there in Srimad Bhagavatam here of this chapter wants to explain the avatars as has been asked as manifestations of the Purusha who is a partial manifestation of Bhagwan and in the context of doing so come back to the very idea that the question asked by the sages which this chapter gives rise to says in itself if we study the question very carefully question was, tell us about his avatars. The implication being that he has avatars, not that he is an avatar. And so concluding this section with this verse and and an afterthought speaking about the the vibhutis, which are not uh, kind of and we want to say, of the same category of avatars, they're like the manus, like the certain rishis and devas, and so forth. They're kind of like partial. Bibuti means like the, like a partial manifestation of divinity. They're all partial in a sense, um, but more partial. Let us say <laughs> uh, a mention of those after saying they're unlimited mentioning the vibhūtis, then then that section is concluded. And commenting on the implication of the section, we come to the famous verse of Śrīmad-Bhāgavatam, the sutra in that verse of Śrīmad-Bhāgavatam, Krishna's two Bhagavan, Svayam, that the whole of the tattva of Gaudi Vaishnavism is based on, that the whole of the tattva of Śrīmad-Bhāgavatam is unlocked by understanding and contemplating the implications of. Hmm. So, good introduction to that verse and a summary of where we are at this point in our study of Srimad Bhagavatam. We'll leave the discussion of this famous verse, mm-hmm. ete jamsa kalapumsam krishna stu bhagavan swayam," from Srimad Bhagavatam, that... Uh, Jiva Goswami's entire Krishna-sandharva is based upon and, uh, as he said, is the key to understanding the whole tattva of Bhagavatam, that, uh, we'll leave that discussion until tomorrow evening. Are there any questions? Yes? It what? In in what sense? But but that's not all he does. That's what he does when he comes to the world. Well, his his form... Let's take Narasimha, for example. His form is like a pussycat (laughs) compared to a lion. (laughs) He's surrounded by parlads. Hmm? So he's not showing his his uh, uh he's not tearing apart the or or excuse me uh there's no anarthas Ranganathasipu is the personification of the anarthas so he's not uh, that that's uh, he has this relationship with with his pralads, so to speak this type of devotee so same with Baraha and so forth There's no need to pick up the earth there the earth's not there in a sense so they have particular leelas in, in the world they may be celebrated for that too hmm? but the preoccupation there is is, is, is different hmm? that makes sense yeah well he that's means means that the first this form has ever been known in the world doesn't mean it's not known in Vaikuntha in some respect it's a face of Narayan so uh, for, for Krishna we've argued in that way but um, he's never was seen before in the world in a unique circumstance it's talking about it from this world's um, perspective but the Vaikuntha inhabitants they have a different perspective. Hmm. And for that matter, this is another point, faces of Narayan are Asankhya. Hmm. In Vaikuntha new ones may manifest, just like we say, pray is unlimited but it's always increasing. Hmm. So all possibilities there. The devotees may find a new face of Narayan. Just like live with somebody. Right? don't, we'll live, we don't, we live with one another, and, and you get to know faces of people after a long, long time that you didn't know was there. Mm-hmm. Goodness, that too. You get to know about them, constantly get to know about them, more and more, it's fascinating. It's like, I mean, that's just a material example, We we'll just speak of Narayan. how many faces of God, mm-hmm. It's as limited, they are as limited as love is limited. How can you think of love as being, in the full sense of the term, as being limited? It speaks of unlimitedness, love. So Bhagwan corresponds with that kind of love, so What else? What's the time? Any other question? Yes, happy birthday. Thank you. <laughs> um, which avatars, or if any, come after Kalki? Or how's that word Is there like more text which has been written in that? Or? Well, the idea of Kalki is the is the end of the yuga. Mm-hmm. And then it starts over again, the satya yuga. So it's the same avatars after them? Yeah after, before, it's kind of in a circle, so so it starts over again, mm-hmm. again so you the avatars will come again, as before, in nuanced ways, that's why we find, for example, a description of, of if you look at the bog carefully, it seems to be talking about two different varahas, brahavatars, so the, so the Goswamis have come in different yugas, they're performing slightly different. So. The avatars, they come, just like Day of Krishna. Day of Krishna is the same. Let's say you get, your day is the same. Basically, you get up certain time. You come to Mongol Artik. Right? Um, you chant japa. You take breakfast at the same time. You have some responsibilities, some seva. You come back for lunch. Hmm? You go, have some other duties. you chanting, some seva. You come back for dinner. Bath, come for Artik. Here, Guru Maharaja's class pass out, that day starts again, over again, that's your basic day. But in, in the course of the day, then there will be so many different things that take place. Each day is still different, right? So a day in the life of Krishna, it's similar, but there's uh, every day is nonetheless uh, different and unique. Hmm. So he comes, about it the God. It comes same avatar, but it's a little different each time. The things that happen, and the way, the way he does it, and so on and so forth. Never, never a dull moment in the life of God. Anything else? I just stop there. Oh yes, one more. Just got it. Why? Why exactly are the? Why do that? Krishna because they are Krishna manifesting partially for per- particular purposes, primarily for particular for the purpose of satisfying different types of devotees possessed of a different type of uh, devotion, a nuanced type of devotion. Um, and with regard to the world, then for different purposes in the world for example Shaktivish avatars avesh means to be empowered so an avatar may be empowered with bhakti like nard with gyan like vyas with the capacity to rule like prithu so um for ruling for giving knowledge like the veda for um exemplifying bhakti like narada hmm? then a Shakti will be empowered with a specific power of Bhagwan. Hmm? You understand? Something like that. All right, we'll stop there. <laughs>